and technology, Gethin Ellis and Mark Williams. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Fit Podcast. Here at GethinEllis.com, whilst we know physical fitness is essential, our mental health is vital too, and our Fit Podcast is all about putting the human back into technology. One thing we can probably all agree on is the last year or so has been unprecedented. So we wanted to seek out the views of technology leaders, business owners, consultants, and many others from a range of different businesses and organizations to discuss with them the impacts on their business, on their humans, and and on their technology, and see how they see the future unfolding. So without further ado, I'll introduce you to episode eight, where we speak to Edwin Sarmiento. Um, Welcome everybody to the eighth edition of the Putting the Humour Back into Technology podcast. Uh, This week, Mark and I are joined by Edwin uh, Sarmiento. I hope I said that right, Edwin. I hope you got your, your last name right. Um, Edwin is is uh, he's he's the first non-UK uh, resident on a uh, guest on our show, which is uh, which is quite interesting for us us today. Edwin Edwin's based over in Canada, so just to kick things off, Edwin, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, what your business is, and so on, your job role, things like that. Thank you, thank you. Um, I first uh, caught up with some of your posts on LinkedIn and. You know, the title caught my attention, putting humans back in technology. And for me, that's the real gist of what technology really uh, is about. Um, Most people focus on the tech. I focus on the people. And a little bit of an introduction. I'm an independent consultant. I focus on high availability and disaster recovery solutions uh, on-premises, Azure. So talk about, you know, the SQL Server, HA, DR stuff. I also focus on uh, DevOps side of things where you're containerizing SQL Server, but a lot of people think, oh yeah, you're a hardcore guy, techie guy. But what uh, what people don't realize is that I focus more on the people side of tech, even even when things are like, they seem more techie. You know, people would get you on board as a consultant and they all talk about the tech part. I don't talk about the tech part. The tech part's easy. The human part of it, the people part of it is where a lot of people struggle. And that's what I really focus on. That's kind of like a quick introduction of what I do. Cool. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. I'm already going to I'm already going to go off track. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, Here in the UK, uh, I think it's fair to say that um, uh, guys and girls involved in technology, are, are probably less uh, focused on the communication aspects. Let's call it that for now, rather than than the wider people aspect. We we'll call it. We we'll talk about c- communication. Um, but it always strikes me when, when you know when, when speaking to people from from across the pond, so to speak, from from where we are, that that um, that, that you guys and girls are, are are always we always seem to be more confident and, and and comfortable dealing with dealing with people. Is that just my perception of 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 your level of confidence, if you like, in dealing with people, um, and I don't know what experience you've had dealing with people in the UK, but are, are they all like you, Edwin? Because because you're you you already are coming across as really easy to talk to, and you know, and 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 a really clear uh, you know communication point, and and that's something which I'm looking at again. I'm not going to mention any names here in the UK, but I'm thinking, okay, that that's not the same as the UK, right? That's that's different. I think it's uh, I find it interesting you mentioned that because for one. I'm Asian, and when you think about the cultural aspects of the differences between North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific, most Asians are not like me. And uh, I'm an introvert. I tell people all the time I would rather 
hunker down on my computer and do the stuff that I really love to do. And what I've realized is when you really understand the whole gist of it, technology would evolve, it would change. But the one thing that stays the same is how we humans and how we people interact. I mean, it's interesting because with the whole pandemic, uh, people are now forced to uh, work from home and meet using Teams and Zoom and stuff like that. And, you know, people like me, the introverts were thinking, oh, this is kind of like a dream come true for me. I'll be at home. I don't have to talk to the salespeople. I don't have to talk to the marketing people. I'll do what I do best write code, deal with all of these conf uh, configuration settings and not talk to them. Next thing you know, six months down the road, people are saying, when can I get back to the office? When can I get back to the office? We need to understand that, you know, unless we embrace the humanity within us, technology and AI would easily replace what we do. And so even people like, you know, introverts like me, who's, who's, you know, born and raised in a culture where, you know, even speaking up is a challenge. I had to force myself into learning all of these things because that's the only way that I can influence people into changing their way of thinking. And with the nature of what I do is really all about changing the way they're thinking. When you think about it, who, who wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and say, I need a high availability solution? Nobody. Yeah. So, so that probably segues into the question I should have asked, really, which is, uh, I mean, so how, how, how has, well, we say how is the last year, but it's, you know, it's getting on for 17, 18 months now, isn't it, in, in, in reality? But how has the last year or so, um, you know, impacted what you do? Obviously, you're, you're an independent consultant, so you're not dissimilar to what, what Gethin and I do, you know, ourselves. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not... Uh, yeah, you know, you you're not um, you know Marbell or whatever. You know, you're 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 yourself and maybe a couple of associates, I guess. But how how has things impacted you? How has your business been impacted over the last year or so? Well, just like most of the businesses, mine has been really affected. The fact that I travel a lot for work, which is kind of ironic when when you think about it. You're in tech; you should be working from home most of the time. In fact, uh, the work from home thing uh, is something that I've been doing since 2007. Uh, I've been working from home on and off. Kids are homeschooled, so no big deal, right? This has been our lifestyle for the past 10, 13 years now. But what really changed was the fact that because nobody could travel. In fact, um, we were stuck in the Philippines for four months. Oh, what wow. Started what was supposed to be a four week vacation. I was supposed to fly to the UK to do sequel bits. Um, and then, middle of March, things went south and I had to cancel everything. And because I travel a lot for work, my business has definitely been affected. But because I'm also working with technology, right? It's easy to switch to just doing everything online. Uh, more meetings online, more, uh, more communications online, like these kinds of things. Like we live now, today we live in, you know, the four corners of our teams, our Zoom and, and our go-to-meeting sessions. Yeah. Um, so the business has definitely been affected, but what I saw has really changed the way I do things. Um, I've 
always wanted to do coaching for tech professionals, mainly because I saw the trend where when I get brought in as a consultant, I see uh, people are struggling, not because they can't do the work. You know, typically when a consultant gets brought in, it's because they don't have the skills, they don't have, you know, the expertise they would bring in a consultant. But in my case, I saw that they were bringing me in, not because they can't do the work. It's because they're so tired and exhausted that they can't do anything else. Like two or three of my clients from last year, they brought me in, they were uh, deploying um, a SQL Server available groups on Azure. And the guy leading the project was really smart. He's the lead cloud engineer and, you know, three or four months into the pandemic. He hasn't even had time to slow down. And just think about what's going on. And the whole the whole pandemic has made a lot of people uh, rethink their priorities. But in our case, people working in tech, it's even a lot worse because, you know, the lifestyle, the culture that we built into working in tech, you know, 60 plus hour weeks, that's normal, mm-hmm. right? And we've accepted that as normal. I mean, I tell people I'm a recovering workaholic. We've accepted working 60 plus hour weeks normal. But then it blew my mind that my clients were working 80 plus hour weeks. I mean, come on. People are so exhausted, they're so tired that, you know, it's no longer a conversation about can you do this? It's about can you still do what you need to do to a point where, um, again, Two or three of my clients brought me in last year, not because they can't do the work. It's just that their staff is too exhausted that they can't do anything. Yeah, if they're doing 80 hours a week, those 80 hours are probably not the most productive weeks because there's certainly a tipping point that is pointless doing any more because you're not doing anything actually constructive or productive. I I fully agree with them. I, f- I fully agree with that. So if, if they are doing 80 hour weeks and they're not, you're not getting 80 hours worth of productivity, you may as well have 20 good hours of productivity and uh, have the other 60 where you, where, where you get your, your, your work-life balance. That's my, that's my kind of feel um, on it as someone who works 60 hours a week regularly. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very much a do as I say, not as I do uh, um, approach, but uh, even, even, you know, with, with the hours that I do, I do feel, um, there is a point where you just may as well stop because you're not doing anything. You're not actually doing anything productive or constructive, um, and with the time. So, so well, you know, that's a, that's a really good insight there, um, there, Edwin, and, and how it's impacted your business is obviously same as well. It sounds like you've had a sort of similar experience to us. There's been still lots of work to do despite the pandemic, and I've, I'm going to ask this question because it's the, it's the next one in the list. But I think you've probably addressed some of this anyway. Um, the question is, how do people fit into your sort of delivery model? And I guess they're right up front and center from what you said, but I'll let you elaborate and expand on that. Um, and, and uh, you know, picking up on what you just said, uh, interestingly, people are at the center of what I do. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, um, a SaaS company based out of uh, Vermont in the United States uh, reached out to me. They wanted me to do a... Uh, a you know configuration check of their high availability system and 
you know, it's interesting because I can do what I need to do anywhere in the world. I don't need to come there, right? But yeah. during our conversations, there's just something about the tone of how they say things that made me feel like I need to be there. And so I said, look, I don't need to be there to do what I need to do, but I feel like I need to be there in order to get your real issues dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I want to pay you a visit. I want to talk to your team. I want to you know, get a sense of what really is going on. And the, the way I look at what I do is that you know, every technical problem is really a people problem underneath. We just don't want to look at it. It's mostly tech because that's how we were trained as tech people. We are trained to look at the tech problems the way they are. I see it differently. Every single tech problem out there is first and foremost a people problem. And so I ended up visiting them. You know, again, they brought me in. They want me to evaluate their SQL Server always on available group. But you know, 40 minutes into the conversation, I said, look, you don't really have a SQL Server problem. You have a communications problem. Mm-hmm. And you know, one guy was saying, what do you mean? Well, your developers are not talking to the sysadmins. Your sysadmins are not talking to your DBAs. Your DBAs are not talking to your network guys. And you're wondering why your operational procedures are so messed up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've, I've got very similar experiences with pretty much um, um, every client I've ever had. There's usually, there's usually, it's not the tech that's the problem, uh, even though you're brought in to fix a technical problem. Is this, and this is kind of how we've got to where we've got to, and why I, I know to quite a lot of work with Mark and various other things, and why 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 this podcast has started because it's, well, sounds like you've you've got similar experiences to us with people being. People being the ones you need to take care of, and Mark's has frozen. Your screen froze there, mate. It looked like you were uh, you'd either fallen asleep or uh, I needed to fall an ambulance for you. I am. I haven't fallen asleep, but I, I was uh, I was scrolling to find out what the next question was, and in, because in, in, <laughs> I have a question I'd, I'd quite like quite like to ask, which isn't the next question in the list. Oh, go for it, mate. I, I think guess, I, I think we got the title of the uh, of, of this particular podcast. Mark, um, what I wanted to ask you was going back to. If, am I still here? Yeah, I can. I can hear again. So, what, what are you saying? You, you you think we've got the title, and then I think you said it, but I don't think I heard it. Oh, um, the title is you know what what uh, Edwin was talking about being a you know a, a, a communication problem underneath the people problem underneath the technology. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll we'll probably go go with that maybe. But what I, I wanted to ask you, Edwin, is, is is given what we were talking about in the in the previous questions about um, people being the focus of things and uh, and and center. You had to go to site there to, you know, to find that problem out, that people problem out. So how how has how has um, maybe it's a question about as much as going forwards as it is as about the 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 last year. How how do you see uh, or have you experienced the the remote um, aspect of working to help or hinder? Been able to get at the heart of of the problem. Just using the example that you quoted there about uh, you know not not joining up the dots on the communications side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting uh, that you asked that question because uh, again, working from home since two thousand and seven, you pick up some skills, you learn a few things, and you know, as a data professional myself, you see patterns. You see patterns. You uh, connect the dots. And it's that data, right? 
for me, it's no longer just about talking to people uh, on Skype, on Teams, on GoToMeeting, on Zoom. It's about looking for or even listening to what they're really saying and mm -hmm. connecting the dots. Because here's the thing. We have been trained to listen to data, facts, because we're logical people. Tech people are highly logical. So we've been trained to listen to uh, facts, data, right? And we we rationalize things based on facts and data. I'll give you a very simple example. Performance tuning, uh, people are saying, yeah, I have performance issues. Yeah, give me the data. And we kind of work around the data so that we can make the decisions that we need to make. In my case, I use Number one, human data. And what I, what I, when I say human data, I look at patterns. For one, I know that since people have been working from home since last year and are forced to work from home, I know, number one, there be, they are spending more time on, scre uh, on screen time more than they've, they've done previously. They're spending more time on their phones. They're spending more time on computers. They're spending more time online. And here's the thing. Even if they want to disconnect, they're getting pulled back in. And that's because they feel like they're not being productive. They're not making any contribution because why would why would they feel that they're making contribution if nobody's seeing them? And so there's this human need to yeah. always do something because in a culture that we live in, the doing is what makes us valuable. So even if it's as simple as I'm going to respond to a you know a Slack message just so that they know I'm here, right? And you know I'm just going to respond to that email if it's three o'clock in the morning. They will just respond. And, you know people sleep with their phones beside them. It's interesting. You know they would you know they will be on their beds. And so this kind of behavior is something that I already know based on you know, working in operations for years and sleeping with my phone beside me, you know, and you know, you can't go to sleep. So you'll pick up your phone and then look at your emails and see whether or not you're getting uh, monitoring messages from from your systems. But going back to your question, with everything being remote, you have to learn a thing or two about how to properly talk to people, listen to people, you know, below the surface <clears throat> we're no longer having that face-to-face -face conversation with people and so um you know somebody once said you know ai and machine learning and automation and robotics are going to take over everything we're doing i totally disagree because if we keep becoming really good at become at being humans we will never be replaced by any automation and which is kind of ironic because automation is also my 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 strong set of skills that I tend to automate. As much. <laughs> well, I guess that I guess that I guess that leads in, that probably leads to the next question there, Mark, which I think is yours. So I won't jump in. Sorry. Oh, is it? I was I, I thought it was yours actually. But I was oh, is it mine? Say, it might be. Um, it might be mine. I, I think, I'm, I'm happy I think to... it is yours. I was going to say just on that point about um, humans having to do things to prove themselves that that you know that they're they're of value. It, the uh, I don't know whether you've listened to, to, to too many of the previous 
uh, podcasts, Edwin. But um, it, that's a that's a common theme. I was thinking that uh, that Dave Rawl at Bytes was was saying that mm. um, just just a few weeks ago that he's he wants his people to think. He doesn't just want them to do, uh, mm. and that's kind of a, you know an, another way of saying what um, what what you were saying, Edwin. Which, and it 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 it, it, it shouldn't surprise me. But the commonality between what our guests are saying always comes out, and and that's quite interesting. I think it is your question, Geth. I I I'll go with it anyway. It, it, it leads in nicely, and it, it, you're right. There's a there's definitely a common theme. Um, there's definitely a common theme coming. There's definitely a common theme coming uh, coming through. Yeah, sorry, I just had to. Uh, I don't know if you can hear my 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 wife and a friend in the background, <laughs> but I'm sat in my kitchen this week and. Uh, uh, recording from here so um um i just asked her to be quiet because i couldn't hear i couldn't hear over the over, over the talking <laughs> and now i'm in now i think i'm gonna be in the bad books um <laughs> i'm only joking um so yeah the next question then is all is all around data um and how as a consultant i guess you're reasonably small outfit so perhaps this doesn't apply to your business per se but perhaps it more applies to the clients that you help but how do you drive value from data and technology is really the question um, mm -hmm. that we asked Ness and, and I'm guessing from what you said already you're on a cloud journey but uh, you know uh, what are your thoughts on, on on cloud tech and do you recommend it to your to your clients? Well that's a really really good question um, you know it's interesting every time a new technology would be introduced into uh, you know into the market uh, I remember going back into the days of um, you know moving into virtual machines there were a lot of conversations around moving from physical to virtual and mm. then from virtual to the cloud uh, and then all of these things people tend to look at you know the next technology as the big thing and so everybody now is pushing everyone on uh to the cloud right yeah. and what a lot of people realize is that technology is really a reflection of humanity when you really do think about it, you know, it's I say that because number one, there's always this dividing line between, oh yeah, we're the purists. It's like Windows versus Linux or cloud versus on-premise or uh, physical versus virtual or, mm. you know, technology is really a reflection of our humanity because unless you become hybrid and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, somebody who is, is very well versed at everything I'm talking about, you know, learning how to become one with others. What I mean by this is I use the story of how Microsoft really nailed it. When you talk about uh, Azure, GCP or AWS, AWS and GCP both do not have an on-premises story. And what a lot of people think, oh yeah, Microsoft is forcing people to go to Azure. But what they don't realize is that Microsoft has mastered the art of hybrid. And what I mean by hybrid is they know for a fact that you cannot move people from one tech to another tech in an instant. And so they can't really force everybody to move to the cloud, but they really have a great on-premises story because that's how Microsoft started in the first place, all on-premises. Right. And so they're at the center. They're the bridge between, yeah, you want to move some of your workloads to the cloud? Sure. But you want to keep some of them on premises? Sure. We have a story 
between on-premises and the cloud. So they're not, well, a lot of people think, yeah, you're, Microsoft's salespeople are forcing them to go to the cloud. And so there's no incentive to uh, go on-premises. But here's the thing, which ties back to what I mentioned earlier about being hybrid. Learning how to put yourselves in the shoes of somebody else is what I mean by being hybrid. And Microsoft understands that new companies, startups, they'll be more than willing to go to the cloud. And that's okay because we have something for you. Oh, traditional businesses who have stuff running on premises. Yeah, we have something for you. They're right in the middle. And our jobs as technology professionals, right? Again, I know this is a long winded way of saying, sure, people are moving to the cloud, but you know, it's really not an argument whether you want to stick to on-premises versus moving to the cloud. It's really about you becoming the trusted advisor as a consultant, as a tech professional, to drive that conversation about what really is the value that you're contributing, mm. which ties me back to, again, the conversation around, are we really arguing whether you want to move to the cloud or you want to stay on-premise? No. The value that we bring to the table is to be the guide, sure, we move to the cloud, here are pros and cons, and I'm here to help versus, no, let's move to the cloud because I just got certified on AWS, mm. right? Totally different conversation, which ties back to uh, uh, your question earlier about the value, right? The things that we do as tech professional can be done cheaper, more efficient, I don't wanna say faster, because uh, you can pick and choose. It can be done cheaper, that's for sure. I know for a fact it can be done cheaper. I come from Asia, and so you're outsourcing stuff. But what are the things that we can do that cannot be outsourced? That's thinking. We cannot outsource our thinking. We cannot outsource our creativity. We cannot outsource our humanity. And so the real value that every tech professional can bring to the table is enhancing how they think, enhancing their creativity, and enhancing their humanity. Um, I forgot who mentioned uh, earlier uh, the difference between thinking and doing. The wow. work that we do as tech people is, you know, taking up so much of our time, 60 plus, 80 plus hour weeks, that we become human doings, not human beings. And that's preventing us from thinking. Even yeah, taking a break, taking a break is looked down on in, in, in tech. Taking days off is looked down on. What we don't realize is that we're not machines, we're humans. And our productivity, our efficiency comes from the fact that we're humans. Now, we, not that we can do more, right? Yeah. Doing more is just a byproduct of the conditioning that we've had throughout the years that tell that told us if you can do more, you can you're valuable. Uh, not really, because I can do more of what anybody anybody else can do, and I'm just a commodity. Cool, cool. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, Go on, Mark. Sorry. I was going to say, I, I, I won't take too long. A huge amount of that resonates with me, Ed, Edwin. I mean, you said a load of stuff uh, stuff in there that, uh, you know, you talked about purists in, in, in one of your answers earlier. And I guess and I had a client actually last year who um, 
they they have a uh, for for the same project they have a mix of um, on-prem solutions Azure and and dynamic software as a service so we're you know we're hybrid in all of those together and and the point I was going to make about that I was going to use another example as well but uh, not enough time for that is people live in the real world they don't live in this theoretical this purist world and people always come to me you know they say oh well, you need to be using agile for this and I'm going. Well, do you know what agile means? No, not really. Okay, well, let's just live in the real world then, right? Let's do what it need, do what you need to do to get the job done, so you can go and have a beer or whatever it is you do, you know, out, outside of work. Um, so that a huge amount of that resonates um, with me. Um, shall I lead on to the next question? Guess, yeah. Or do you want to take? Well, go for it. we've got two left, I think. So one is the um, advice to the younger self, and one is the fun fact. So which one do you want to do this week, Mark? I, I always get to do the fun fact one. So do you want me to take the uh, uh, yeah, the advice? Let's do it the other way around. All right. Then. Um, so so we've got two questions left, Edwin. Um, and these are the these are the ones we like actually. These are the ones we kind of build to. But what advice would you give your younger self or uh, somebody who is now starting out or changing their career to work in the IT industry? That's a really interesting question. You know, it's, it took me years to really understand why do people ask those crazy questions? It's like I could go back to my old self and tell myself like, hey, don't do this. Like, we can't, but let's pretend that I'm going back to like 40 years ago and and yeah, I'm, I'm 40 plus. I don't look that, but let's pretend that I can go back. What would I tell myself? The one thing that I would tell myself that I and, and I'm still telling myself is be open to new ideas. And what I mean by be open to new ideas is not, yeah, I'm looking for the next best thing or I'm looking for the next big thing. No. You know, wisdom of of the generations has, you know, been generous to us to a point where we think in order to make a difference, we need to look at the next best thing, the next big thing or the next great technology. Um, what I've learned throughout the years is that you focus on the things that do not change because everything else will. And when you're looking for, you know, the next best idea, the next big technology, people are so fixated on how does that work? Like for instance, when Microsoft introduced Azure Arc with Kubernetes, like how does that work? We forget. The technology has been around for so long that the principles and the concepts do not change. Mm. The, the implementations do change, but the concepts don't, right? And what I have been telling myself ever since I realized that, yeah, that's, nothing's really going to change the fundamentals, the basics, is that I always go back to the basics. Not the latest, not the greatest, and I usually tell the story of how smart Microsoft is. Well, you know, being a, a global leader in software, you know, would attract a lot of really smart people. But the features they're introducing in the next release, the next version, the the, the you know, the higher editions, were actually based on existing features, which means what I've learned in SQL Server 6.5, what I've learned in SQL, SQL Server 7 still applies today. Mm. But yeah. most people ignore the fact that, hey, you know something, you already know something. And so in order for you to adopt to the next big thing, the next best technology that you could ever think of, is not letting go of the fundamentals, 
is not letting go of the basics, is embracing more of the fundamentals and basics, which again, is it, it's really a, a general philosophy if you, if you think about it. You know, we talk about business practices, we talk about principles like agile, for instance, we talk about all of these things. And what a lot of people don't realize, it's really all about becoming a better human being. Knowing how to communicate, knowing how to care for other people, you know, what will, you know, better DevOps practice do to your company if you don't even talk to each other because, you know, we're better than you are, you know, it, it, it's not going to help. It's going back to the basics is what I would tell my old self. Cool. Great advice. Great advice. I like yeah. that. So just to just to finish up, then uh, Edwin, tell us tell us. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of an odd question considering that you're in Canada and we're in the UK, right? But tell tell us uh, for whoever is listening, wherever they are in 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 you know, in, the, in the world, um, tell us a, a fun fact about yourself that maybe uh, maybe nobody else knows or, or or something along those lines. You know that it took me a while to really think about what is something that a lot of people don't know about me, and I'm not. You know, I'm not like most people who would post everything that they're doing on social media. I'm not that kind of person. And so uh, there's so many things that a lot of people don't know about me. But one thing that they do know about me is I'm a musician. I'm a jazz piano player and in my spare time, okay. which, happen, which happens cool. to be almost every day, is I would sit down and play the piano. And, you know, this is interestingly because, you know, as tech professionals, in everything that we do, we, we we become so logical that we forget to enjoy what we're doing. And so um, fun fact about me is, yeah, I do play piano uh, whenever I feel like it. But instead of really enjoying the music, I would like analyze everything that I do. And then, you know, 45 minutes in, I would stop myself. Hey, can you just enjoy the music and stop analyzing what you're doing? And uh, uh, that's what I do on my spare time. Sometimes I play around with my uh, music workstation where I create tracks for my own listening pleasure. They're not for sale, but you know, something to really uh, expand my creativity. Because again, uh, one of the things that I bring to the table is the creativity, the thought process. And if I can enhance that in everything that I do, whether it's taking photos, playing music, or being creative in just about anything, just don't ask me to cook. I'm a really bad cook. But in just about anything, just apply that creativity and enhance that creativity, creativity because it's not something that can easily be replaced by anything or anybody. Well, I'll tell you something about... Uh about Gethin's and and and, uh, and my knowledge of each other and our relationship. Uh, so I, I said to Gethin um, when we started this podcast, we we need some we need some theme tune music for this podcast. I'll I'll go and create some. Right. So I don't know whether you can see this. But in the there, there's a piano. Right. I don't know if you can just about to see that on, on, on the webcam. Uh, which, which, I replaced which, with which I believe is for sale. So get onto Facebook. It is. Get, for sale, get your bids yes. in. Um, I'm curious now. Why are you selling it? It's being replaced uh, with a with a with a digital piano uh, soon. Anyway, um, so I said to Gethin, oh, "We need to get this. Uh, um, need to get some theme tune music." And he said, "Yeah, okay, fair enough." He was humouring me, you know. He's going, "Yeah, yeah, Mark, fine, get some music." Whatever. So, so I um, I used um, this will mean nothing to to, to Gethin. I used probably means something to you. I hope I used Garage Band, 
and I uh, put a few things together with three very simple chords, and I, I let all the uh, sequences and arpeggiators and all that sort of thing do its stuff. Mm-hmm. And I played it again, and he said, that's really good. Did you play all that yourself? And I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned that because it's exactly what I'm using to uh, process the audio for my microphone right now. Uh, Is it? Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, the, the creativity of what I do, I want to, I want to make sure that you know, the creativity of anything that I do would would flow into just about anything that I do. I stopped compartmentalizing my life to a point where, no, this is not just about playing music. This is about me taking the creativity that I, I built playing music into solving a tech problem. It's the creativity that I've learned solving tech problems into playing good music and taking photos. And it's that it's about time that we become the best version of who we are, not compartmentalizing what we do because yeah, this is work and this is life, right? We just need to be more humans. Well said. Well said indeed. And I think that is probably a good point for us to call it a day. Edwin, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for getting up early. Um, you've been listening to the Putting the Human into Technology, Back into Technology podcast. I'm Gethin Ellis, and we've been joined today, Mark and I have been joined today by Edwin Saramento. Edwin, thank you for joining us. Thank you. This has been a privilege. And uh, if I may say, you have been doing great work. I'm glad you like it. Because <laughs> we need more of this. Thank you very much. That's, uh, that's, that's very kind of you to say so.